excited to be with you this morning. Um, as Pastor Stephen shared with you, we are starting a new series today called the I Am Series. And uh, we're going to begin to talk about um, who Jesus was, who actually Jesus said that he was. Because um, how many of you know people are having an identity crisis going on in their lives? Anybody know anybody that's having an identity crisis? And so um, a lot of people are having an identity crisis. And really, we can't figure out who we are until we know who he is because we are who he is. Amen? Or we're supposed to be who he is. And so, so we want to fix this identity crisis that's going on. You know what's kind of kind of can be a little bit sad is the identity crisis is going on even in the body of Christ. And so the more we know who he is, then we can figure out who we are. And so um, I'm going to be uh, sharing a little bit along the lines today of I am the bread of life. And then Pastor Stephen, we are making a way uh, next week as Easter service approaches. And I, I have to tell you, um, to me, um, I'm, Easter is such a, an awesome time to, to, to reach out because one of the reasons that it's the greatest outreach is that people typically will come to church on Easter and Christmas. But the reality for me is, is that Easter is such a personal, it, it's a personal celebration for me. For me. It's, the re, it's, the, it's, the, it's the time that as a believer that you celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection. You celebrate the redemption that Christ gave you. You know, it's hard for an unbeliever to really understand that. But next week we're going to, um, to just and do, introduce them to the, to the death, burial, and resurrection. That Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I, I am the resurrection. And so Pastor Stephen's going to be sharing that with us. And then we're going to be taking a couple different turns with some different people sharing the other I am's. But I'm going to have you turn with me, um, if you will, to a portion of scripture. I'm going to read quite a bit of the scripture. And John, if you're turning there, how many of you brought your Bibles to church today? Amen. Amen, a few of us. So here's the thing. A Bible is a good thing to bring to church. Amen. I want to encourage you. Maybe you were a Bible bringer or you had been in the past and then you thought, ah, I'm just not going to bring it anymore. They put it up on the screen. How many of you know your Bible is important? Um, and um, as you bring it and you kind of, kind, of, kind of look at it, whether it's on your phone or I personally like the this Bible. I personally like my Bible to be able to turn the pages, but I encourage you, even as we're in the Word together, if you highlight things and underline them, or I know you can even do that on your phone, and it just brings, if you go back that, this week and study the Word, it's, a, it's, a, it's really good for you. So don't just trust this, trust this. Amen? We can make mistakes, but you need to study the Word of God for yourself. So I'm going to be reading a portion of Scripture out of John chapter 1, or chapter 6, I apologize, chapter 6, verse 1. Amen. I was telling them, first service, Pastor Stephen and I had the privilege to uh, do a sweet little wedding yesterday for Brock and Kelsey, now Brock and Kelsey Jones. And um, so we did it in the youth room where they met. It was sweet. They had met at, um, in the Apex Youth Room, and so we did it. Just some family and a, just a few tiny friends, but um, it was very precious. And so we were, had our um, wedding um, books, and Pastor Stephen and I, we were thinking yesterday, we've probably done almost 250 weddings um, together but it's we we never bore of it we we love it every time but he was reading it and he started reading all my lines and I'm looking over at him thinking oh my gosh we got done I said what were you doing he said I couldn't see the words <laughs> so, so he just kept on reading so um amen so here we go John chapter 6 verse 1 and I'm going to read through 1 through 14 and then I'm going to skip a little bit and then read 22 through 35 so if you're taking notes John 6 Chapter 1, or yeah, verse 1 through 14. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. 
A huge crowd kept following him, at where, following him wherever he went. Because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. In verse 3. And then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly the time for the Jewish Passover, which is kind of placing you through this week. I just want to let you know that this week was the time of Passover. Um, we have celebrate Good Friday this Friday. So it's kind of setting the stage for the time frame. Um, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover, the Jewish Passover celebration. Verse 5, and Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? And he was testing Philip to see if he already knew what he was going to do. Because, I'm sorry, he, test, he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. How many of you know Jesus pretty much already knows what he's going to do? right? He's, he's already got a miracle up his sleeve. You don't need to worry about it, right? God's already, he knows what's going on. And verse, um, and verse 7, Philip said, replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then verse 8, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There was a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fishes, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down. I have found in my personal life that even when God's getting ready to do something in, in my own personal life, that it's, that it's a rarity that I'm standing and he's standing. Most of the time when he wants to do something for me, he wants me to stop working so he can work, right? So he told the people, hey, sit down. I'm about to show you something. I'm about to do something in your life. And for many of us in our lives, I want to let you know that God wants to do something in your life, but he can't do it while you're trying to do it. Amen? Okay, so just a little nugget there. Um, Jesus said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes, and then the men alone numbered about 5,000. Verse 11, and then Jesus took the loaves, and he gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Verse 12, and after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftover so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled, um, and filled 12 baskets with the scraps left by the people who had eaten from them from the five barley loaves. Now I'm going to have you turn with me. Skip over to verse 22, if you will. Skip over. Isn't that interesting? I just noticed this, but there was 12 baskets and 12 disciples. So even those that are distributing actually got to eat. Sometimes we're so worried that we're not going to get what we need to get because we're helping others. But I'm pretty sure that that's the 12 leftover baskets were for the disciples. So they got to serve and be fed. Probably something we need to note there. Verse 22. Verse 22. In um, these verses that we skipped over, um, it's about when um, the disciples were on the boat and the storm came and then Jesus walked on water. So I'm, not, I'm just skipping it for time's sake purposes. And verse 22. The next day the crowd had stayed on the far shore, saw the disciples had taken, only, had taken the only boat and realized Jesus had not gone with them. In verse 23, several boats from Tiberias had landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi... When did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And then verse 28, it says this. And then they replied, we want to perform God works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, 
This is, the only, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. Then, he answered, show, then they answered, show us the miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. Let's pray. Father God, I know even this morning, in the early parts of the morning, as I was meditating on your word and talking with Holy Spirit. I know that the work that you've begun to do in me along these lines, that Father God is the work that you want to do among us. For what flows from the top comes to the, around us. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking today that you would help us see the things that we've never seen before. Help us see communion and what you've done as we've never seen it before. I ask that you would have your words penetrate our hearts and minds so that we may redirect our focus and not be hungry for the things of this world, but be hungry only for you. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So, uh, I don't know how many of you in here are breakfast eaters. Do I have any breakfast eaters in here? Breakfast eaters. Okay, so, um, so I, w- I was just going to ask, a, see what kind of breakfast eaters you are. So um, how many of you in this room are cereal eaters? Do I have any cereal eaters in the room? Cereal eaters. Okay. Where's Pat? Did you raise your hand, Pat? Okay. This is, this is my dad's favorite cereal. He is a Honey Nut Cheerios kind of guy. He eats Honey Nut Cheerios in the same bowl, in the same seat, and the same place at the same time. So every morning. So unless I scramble up some bacon and eggs, and then he'll say, oh, baby, you didn't have to do that. Probably because he still wanted to eat Honey Nut Cheerios. Just season. But, but um, so I got some cereal people in here. Yeah, some cereal people. How am, Carlos, he likes it. Pastor Steven, now he's a cereal eater. He, Pastor Steven loves some, um, some Frosted Flakes. Do I have any Frosted Flakes left? So when we were in Bible school, um, we didn't have enough dollars in our pockets at the time, so he used to buy the generic Frosted Flakes. And then if we had a couple extra dollars in our hand, he'd be like, baby, it's a good week. We're going to buy us some real Frosted Flakes, some real Frosted Flakes. So he still loves him some Frosted Flakes. Um, do, I have, do I have any, um, do I have any uh, donut lovers in the house? Any, anybody that would run through 7-Eleven, got a few donut lovers? How many of you are duck donut friends? Yeah, we had some of those in the back and everyone was, you know, everyone becomes a donut lover when duck donuts are served, right? They're like, oh, I didn't like donuts, but now I like them. You know, I, so um, have some donut people in the house. Uh, our son, Rashid, I don't, where is, is he in the house? Oh, oh, he's way in the back, probably eating one of these. Um, Rashid loves these stupid um, big Texas cinnamon roll kind of things. I don't even know what these are. Um, they sell them at 7-Eleven. Usually I find the wrappers up in his bedroom. Um, and... Um, so, so this is his idea of a, of a breakfast, I guess. So he, he'll, grab, he'll grab the cinnamon roll. How many of you in this room are, um, 
are uh, fruit grabbers. Like you, this, is, this is your idea of a good breakfast. So you grab a banana or an apple and you walk out the door. So a banana. And ha- how many of you are, are this kind of a breakfast people? Like you grab a nutritional bar. You, you think this is your idea of a good breakfast, okay? So you, you gr- yeah, Chase said me. <laughs> I'll, I'll grab a kind bar and, and, uh, and think this is going to hold me over. Uh, but um, how many of you in this room, this is your kind of breakfast? Oh, yeah, baby. We got us some breakfast. Carlos said, Carlos said, dibs on that baby when church is over. <laughs> That's what Carlos said. I was like, I don't know how to fight you for it. Uh, um, but th- how, this, is a, this is a really good breakfast. And, and I found for myself, I'm just going to be honest, um, sometimes in the morning, uh, I like to, I, I know that I need to eat some bacon, I usually like to eat bacon and eggs or sausage and eggs, but if I'm in a hurry, then I'll just grab something little, but I have found personally for myself that if I just grab something, if I grab something like this or this, even if I grab something just like this and that's all I grab, in about two hours, or I'll eat a bowl of cereal, in about two hours, sometimes an hour and a half, I find myself like shaking. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll, I'll find myself like starting, and I don't know if it's my blood sugar or whatever, but something starts not going well with me and I start shaking and then I then I find myself going to the pantry and usually I'm at the church about that time and we have candy stashed in lots of different places here for some unknown reason and I find myself just going everywhere and grabbing whatever I can and shoving it in my mouth I could have Cheez-Its in one hand and and Hershey bars in the next and they're like going in at the same time I'm just trying to do something to calm myself down I'm trying to get something that will sustain me that'll make me you know my armpits start sweating I get real freaked out, you know, and I'm just trying to find whatever I can to shove into my mouth. But, but what I have found is if I'll take the time in the morning, if I'll take a few extra minutes in the morning and I'll scramble me some eggs and put some bacon in the oven and, or I'll make some sausage and it was, or even if I do some horrible eggs, I find for me personally that I can make it all the way till lunchtime and be totally fine. Sometimes if I want to, I can even make it to a lunchtime of, of two o'clock and still be fine. But if I don't do that, then, I, then I'll just be grabbing whatever I can to put into my stomach. I, I wonder, I want to pose a question. That's one of my daughter's lingos. I want to pose a question to you this morning. How many of you think that we could do this, that we do this spiritually? That we, that, we end up, that we end up being in such a hurry, that we end up being in such a hurry that we just grab whatever we, whatever we can and we just walk out the door with a Cinnabon. Now, I'm not trying to be unkind about your, 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 your uh, quiet time with the Lord. And I, I'm for sure not trying to judge or bring condemnation. I, I, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction where necessary, but that's not even my job. My job is just to read the word and to reveal the truth and let the Holy Spirit talk to you. But sometimes, you know, a Cinnabon might look like one worship song on the way to church. Uh, or the office. You, you know, I'm just being honest. Like, it's still, it will still feed you, but it won't sustain you. It will. And then about the time you get to work and that coworker's done got on your nerves, you're like, oh, Lord, I need some help. Because we do things that don't sustain us. And I have found that I have to have a steady supply of God's word in the morning. And, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'll tell you about myself a little bit more. Because I can read my own mail, then I'll have to read yours. You, you know, sometimes we get here and... Um, at the office and all the girls will be ordering they'll want to order lunch and um we laugh because uh, we all have a few isms does anybody have any isms just raise your hand tell your neighbor they are lying if their hand's not raised everybody's got their own quirks so so hannah she eats at like eight or seven noon 
Like 12.01, she's like, I'm starving in this place, you know. Like 12, and I think she's dinner at like 6. And, 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 and Mackenzie, she has to eat like every five minutes, you know. And, um, and, then, and then we laugh because Carson, um, uh, she, she's, she's retraining herself. And so she, she's like a rabbit. She brings all of her own snacks and baggies. And, and there's, there, there's the nuts and the grapes and all those kind of stuff. And so the bad thing is, is we don't bring our own snacks and baggies. So we steal Carson's snacks and her baggies. Um, but sometimes the girls will, they'll order lunch, they'll order lunch and, and they'll, they'll ask me, they'll say, are you hungry? I'll say, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need anything. And then, you know, lunch shows up and then what happens? You're hu- I'm hungry. And, and what I have found for me personally is cause they order cafe Lachine a lot and they get those sweet potato fries. Anybody have any sweet potato fries? And so when their lunch comes, I always say, you don't want those, do you? You, you, I, I know you ordered them, but you really didn't order them for yourself. You really ordered them for me. They're like, no, I ordered them for, my, for myself. And so I'll, I'll start taking everybody's scraps. Like, I'll, I'll find sandwiches half eaten. I'll be like, hey, that's mine. You know, like, I'll be finding wraps, you know, and, and sweet potato fries. And I'll be, and, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if spiritually we're, we're taking other people's scraps. I'm wondering if, because listen, when there's a deficiency in our life, when we need something, we don't have enough in us. We don't even have enough. Sometimes I'm, this is not trying to be unkind, enough sense in us to say, I know I'm going to be hungry, so I better pre-decide what I'm going to eat. And spiritually, we do this to ourselves all the time. And then we come in, then, then crisis hits us or, or a problem hits us or our bodies get sick or we get a few dollars short in our bank account or we get frustrated with our spouse or we don't like our boss. And then we start saying, hey, can I borrow some of your, your food that you put in you this morning? Just wondering. And the people, what happened, what Jesus said to the people was he did a miracle. He did a miracle for them in their lives. And then they showed up again and they said, aren't you the God that fed us, that fed the 5,000, aren't you? He said, oh, oh no, 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 see, you're missing it. See, you, you forgot you're looking for the miracle worker, not just the miracle. See, he said, if you want to, you can't live like this from miracle to miracle to miracle. Because then you're not going to get the true bread. You're not going to be sustained. You're going to keep following me, still looking for something. He said, I want to tell you something. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I'm going to read you a couple more verses and, and, and walk you through this path of what Jesus showed them. He begins to unfold this to them. He begins to show them, listen, you're looking for something that you think you want, but I'm going to give you something that you really need. How many of us tell our kids, listen, I know you want that, but I know what you really need. And sometimes we want quick fixes Sometimes we want to be able to dial up a friend. And I'm not, I'm not, I am not saying that that's not a good thing, but it shouldn't be the only thing. Or even the first. I find in my personal life, when I spend some time with the Holy Spirit, that a friend will come along and confirm the word that's been spoken to me, not give me the word that's been spoken to me. That's what the body of Christ is for. But if I'm always looking for somebody else to sustain me, I'm going to find myself jumping. You know, sometimes you wonder why you have to go from relationship to relationship to relationship because you know what the person that you're looking for, the thing that you're looking for, they don't even have anyway. They don't even have it anyway. So you get irritated with them because they don't bring you the supply that you need. Well, they're not your supplier anyway. Amen. 
Now hold on for a second because Jesus is going to teach you something in these verses. And go with me to verse 22. Uh, no, 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 sorry. We already read that. Go with me. Go with me, if you will. To verse, hold on. Um, I wrote my notes. Sorry. 22 through verse 35. Okay, here we go. Um, go to 29. I tell you that, uh, let me see. I'm sorry, guys. Just give me one second. Well, go with me to 26 and 27. 26 and 27. In John chapter 6, 26 and 27. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life, and the Son of Man can give you that. And they replied, we want to perform miracles. What should we do? We already read this portion. So go down to verse 30. And then just Jesus, then they answered, show us miraculous signs if you want us to believe. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, and Moses gave them the bread to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread to eat. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven, the true bread. And verse 34, and they said, give us this bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. But you haven't believed in me. Uh, I want to find what I'm doing. 43. But Jesus said, stop complaining. For no one can come to me. Just give this hot girl a second. There we go. 48. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Go to 48. You ready? Say ready. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. I'm not distracted by her confusion. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, listen. Because, I, listen, I know the Holy Spirit wants to get something to us. So I have to pay attention and you have to pay attention. Amen? So we're going to refocus for a second. Thank you. Holy Spirit, right now we thank you. That every word that you want to get out this service, that you'll get out. It's not about me. It's not about them. It's about you. And so we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. Verse 48, where we're supposed to go. Verse 48. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. And anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. Verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer, also the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what this meant. How can this man give us flesh to eat? They asked. So they're thinking, is he cannibalism? That's what they're thinking about. 53, so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is the true food, and the blood is the true drink, and anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven, and anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching the synagogue. And look at verse 60. Very interesting. Many of the disciples said, this is very hard to understand. This is very hard to understand. He's talking about blood. He's talking about drinking blood. He's talking about eating flesh. What the heck's going on right here? And what he's preparing them for is he's saying, listen, you have looked for me. You have found me. And you 
are looking for sustenance. You're looking for a supply. And what he's telling the disciples right here, or telling these people right here, is he's saying, I am the only way that you're going to be fulfilled. It is of me. It's only of me as you eat of me and become me and you drink my blood and you acknowledge me and you recognize what's getting ready to happen. They're on their way to Passover. Something is about to happen. He's giving them a clip, like a preview of a movie that's about to happen. He's saying, hey, look, the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection is about to happen. And something that you need to see that you need to know is that I'm going to die. I'm going to shed my blood on the cross. I'm going to be buried and I'm going to rise again. And of that same thing that you need to partake of. It's of me that you will only find your, your well-being in. It's of me and you're looking for all these natural things to fill you up and supply you. I've been meditating on communion and I've been in a book for, it seems... I think since Christmas, actually probably longer, since Christmas, January. And Hannah and I, have, she finished, I haven't finished yet. Um, it's called The Broken Way. And I have been, it's all about communion. It's all, it's all about it. And I have, it has, if I can be honest with you, this morning even, just while I was studying, I was like getting in the shower and I was like, Holy Spirit, stop. Stop giving me so much. <laughs> Has anybody ever been like that? Like where it just seems like he's just downloading, downloading, downloading. And I was like, I, and he said, I, he said, what's happening to you is he said, this act of communion is bigger than you. He, he, he said, it's, it, it's limitless in its understanding. And when you open up your spirit and when you open up your heart and even open up your thinking, I don't know about you, but even last week when, when, um, when um, Terry Sabell was here, one of the things that she shared with us on Saturday was she said, if you th- he said that, she said one of the very first things to let God talk to you is to begin to think. And I just begin to think about the word. And I have taken the time these past two weeks to read the accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the death, burial, and resurrection and of communion because he made his way through the week of Passover. Really what he's making his way as he's doing this. And how many of you grew up in church on Palm Sunday doing this? Anybody? Do I have any churchgoers in the house? Only three. Raise your hand if you did Palm Sunday. I can remember Palm Sunday as a child. I adored it. I don't even know why. All I remember is that we just got to wave these and sing, and it was a good Sunday, and, and we just worshiped the Lord. And, and, but even just this week, as I begin to read that, as I, as I begin to travel with Jesus, because, you know, you can put yourself in it. If you read the scriptures, you can put yourself right there in the scene. And I put myself as thinking, you know, what, what, if, what if I had heard about Lazarus? What if I had seen? What if, I mean, I, all these people are hearing stuff about Jesus, and and they're saying, is this the Christ? Could this be the one? Oh, and they're seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. Bodies are getting healed. Blind eyes are being opened. Lazarus raised from the dead. The lame man walked. And so they have this expectancy about them, about the coming of Christ. They're thinking, Did this, could this be our hope? And they're, and, they're, and they're waving the palms. And all the while, Jesus is making his way to spend some time with the 12 disciples. All the while he's making his journey, he, he says, go on ahead and prepare the room. Go ahead and get the elements and get them together, and we're going to take together. And as the disciples gather in this room, I'm a, I'm a, I want to take you on a journey of what I feel like the Holy Spirit has been showing us. I, I, I've been learning and I've been reading, and we're going to go, we're going to go to John. I'm sorry, we're going to go to Luke. Thank you, baby. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 and 20. Hallelujah. 
Luke chapter 22. Thank you for staying for two. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 through 20. These are my disciples. They made their way to the table, to the Last Supper. And Jesus begins to speak to them and he says this. Nineteen and twenty. And he took some bread and he gave thanks for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper, he took the cup of wine. This is the new cup of the covenant between God and his people. And they're sitting at the table among them. I'm not going to read that part. And confirmed my blood, which was poured out as a sacrifice for you. Three things happened right here with communion. It says he took the bread, he what? Blessed it, and then he what? And then he what? I'm going to show you something. See, what God's been teaching me and showing me is that we take communion, but in return, we actually are communion. See, God... Jesus actually told the disciples, he said, do this how many times? Again and again and again and again. Do this in remembrance of me. And what he did was, it says he took the bread and he what? Blessed it. And then he what? And then he what? Gave it away. The Greek word for communion is Eucharisto. If you grew up um, maybe Catholic or in different denominations, they actually use that word Eucharisto. And the Eucharisto has a, has, a, has a meaning behind it. The word Eucharisto actually means to give thanks, to give thanks. So what's happening is, is the communion is a giving thanks, but, it, but it's actually broken down. Oh, I'm praying that your, holy, that your spirit man gets this. So the, so the word Eucharisto is broken actually into two more, into two more Greek words. The word charis is the Greek word for grace, hence the coffee shop charis. So we have eucharisto, which means, or eucharisto, which means charis, which means grace. And then charis is broken down into another word that kara, which means joy, which means joy. So there's three Greek words that meet three English words in our language. It goes like this. He blessed it, he what? Broke it, you can talk back, and he what? Gave it away. Here, go ahead. Gave it away. So he what? He what? Talk back, he what? Blessed it, he what? And he what? Find somebody to give it away, okay? Here. Okay? I I want you to see something here real quick. So he what? Blessed it, he what? And then he what? Gave it away, okay? I'll give you this piece. You guys can share it. Oops, sorry. 
Here, here's, here, here's what I want you to catch. See, we, I, and we, when we come to communion together today, we are remembering what Christ did for us. But, but, but it's not, we don't just stop at the receiving part of what he did for us. When, when, when we receive what he did for us, it, it is completed by when what received comes through us. God never intends for something to just come to us, but always to flow through us. He all, so when we just do the act of communion and receive the redemptive realities, it never was meant to just stop there. It was meant to become a reality of how we actually live out our life. So here's, here's what this looks like. Thanks, okay? Then grace. Then joy. Let's give you one. So here we go. Thanks, then what? Grace, then what? Joy. Okay, now here, here's, what I, here's what I want you to see something. Listen to me. So we, so we give thanks. Now the grace part comes in and the breaking part. Because how many of you have ever been in a place in your life where Jesus Christ himself has inconvenienced you? Huh. How many times have we said to Jesus, I do not have time to be their friend? How many times have we said, I do not have time for that project. They got a big mess on their hands. They made it. They can deal with it. Come on. Jesus, I'm just going to tell you, his, but, but, but how many times have you let your own pride get in the way of what Jesus is asking you to do? You don't want to do what he asks you to do. You don't want to empty yourself. You don't want to say, hey, you, even Jesus Christ himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will be done, but what? Thine be done. He said, not my will, but yours be done. How many of you know that's right? That is right after he was taking communion. Even right there at the very beginning of time, he was broken. It says that he was broken for us. And I am I'm, I'm here to tell you that we are, we are, I told Miss Linda earlier, we are such a we live in self-preservation mode so much. We're afraid that we only have just enough for ourselves. I only have enough, just enough word for myself. I only have just enough peace for myself. I only have just as much dollars for myself. I only have just enough grace for myself. I live, just don't tap into me. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you are looking for a miracle and it's not going to happen until you're broken. And you want the grace to show up in your lives. You want the empowerment of God to show up in your lives, but you're holding on to the very thing that brings healing. The very thing that makes you whole is when you break yourself and inconvenience yourself and think, you know what, what, however messed up I am, it doesn't matter because my healing is connected to your healing. My strength is connected to your strength. And I have found in my own personal life that I only get to experience the joy of the Lord when I'm blessing and broken and given away. He says, bless, break, and give away. He says, thanksgiving, grace, and joy. Communion was for the remembrance of the Lord's body and what it was done for that, for us. But it was not meant to stop at just the remembering part. It was meant to take, how did you say it? The dismembered and remember them. It's not just a remembering in our brain. Because we think of that, we think, I'm going to remember what the Lord did for us. 
No, I'm going to take those that are hurting and lost and broken, and I'm going to remember them and put them back together. It was never just meant to be something that comes to you. It was supposed to be something that goes through you. You are the Eucharisto. You are the koinonia. Koinonia is the fellowship. This is the koinonia. This is what happens when we come alongside. We, don't, we, miss, we miss the whole point of communion when we just do it by ourselves. And there are times, yes, in our life where God instructs us to take communion by ourselves and do different things, but the communion of the fellowship of, the, of, of our brethren, of, of fellow believers, it unites us together. It's the koinonia. If you do a study in that communion and Eucharist and the koinonia, they go together. It says that you do the koinonia and you do the Eucharist and they're together. You do the fellowship and you do the breaking of the bread and you remember me. And he blessed and he, and he what? Gave it away. He showed us this even when he first met the 5,000. I believe your miracle happens in the giving away. See, there was no miracle when Jesus said the 5,000 until he blessed it, and then he broke it, and then he gave it away. And so many of us are staying in our brokenness, and we're forgetting the giving away. And so you sit there in your brokenness, waiting for your miracle when it only happens in the giving away. I'm going to read you a portion of scripture. In Philippians 2, 1 and 5. Jesus will sustain you and he will save you and he will be your supply. But those very things are meant to come in you and through you. Philippians chapter 2. I don't even know where my, oh, are they on me? Oh. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Have any of you been encouraged from belonging to Christ? Do any of you feel good? Do any, do, is your frame of mind any different from belonging to Christ? Amen. He, this is what Paul's asking. Have any of you, is there any, uh, any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort that has come from your, his love? Anybody ever been comforted because of his love? Um, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? I love this. Verse 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Verse 3, don't be, don't try to impress others. Be thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must have the same, what it, the same what? The same what? As who? Jesus Christ, 
You must be willing to take what he's given. Have any of us received salvation? Have any of us received peace? Have any of us received love? Have any of us got to, to, to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and talk and commune with him? Yes, we have. But we do not stop there. For what we have, we give. We give it. Don't be selfish. Don't be in pride. Don't hoard it. For it's the same attitude Christ. Amen. I'm going to share a, a, a little thing with you. Worship team, you can come on up. We're going to take communion. I'll tell you something I do not want to see. Is it okay? If you call Coastal Family Church your home church, I never, ever, 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 ever want to see any bashing. It's baseball season, if you haven't noticed. There should be no bashing of coaches or umpires or fellow team. I do not, I do not want to see anything go on Facebook ugly ever, 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 ever. Not from anybody that goes here. Listen, you, might, you act all holy when you take communion. Don't you dare act holy and take communion and then go talk about somebody. Because you're actually, dis, you, you are not even acknowledging. You're actually D, D, D something. Devaluing the work of Christ. You think that you can take this cup and that you can sit there and you can say, oh, Father God, I thank you for your redemption. I thank you for how good you are. Yes, you may. But then you go and undo the very work of redemption that's been done in your life. We ought never, ever, ever let anything ugly come out of our mouth in regards to somebody else. They are created in the image and likeness of Christ. You go to baseball games and you behave like a godly person, win or lose, and you will lose a few. So important. I'm going to read you one last scripture out of Hebrews. He what? Come on. He what? Blessed what? And then what? Gave it away. You want this? Gave it away. Thanksgiving, grace, joy was meant for you. It was meant for me. It was not meant to stay within us. It was meant to come through us. You are the walking communion. You are the representation of Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Hallelujah. Stand up if you will. I'm going to read you this scripture in Hebrews. Chapter 10, verse 23 and 24, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hold lightly to your bread, because we're going to do something in a second, so don't smush it. Hebrews 10, 23 and 24. And if you want to, oh, lands, I did, my heart is that you would fall in love with the word of God. My heart is that you would just crave it and long for it. It will change you and rearrange you, and it won't even be that painful. 
It'll just be a sheer joy. Oh, Father God, I want you. I want to eat of you and drink of you. I want you and me and me and you. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. He says that in Hebrews, not quite like that. In Hebrews, you know, I'm not going to read this part, but in 22, he talks about how we get to go to the presence of God because the blood of Jesus was shed for us. But in verse 23, it says this. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. In verse 24, then it says this, and let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of what? Love and what else? Good works. Let the shed blood of Jesus Christ, let his redemption motivate each other to motivate each other to do acts of love and good works. And then he says this, he says, and then, and then he says, and verse 25, and let us not neglect this. Let us do this right here. Let us not neglect, um, oh, I got to read it, and neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day is approaching. Yeah. I think I lost this. Let us not neglect the koinonia. Let us not neglect, listen, if you're not in a small group, oh, for lands, you're not getting healed. If you're not around somebody who's ministering life to you, you'll stay in the same place you've always been. But when someone reaches in with their brokenness to your brokenness, two brokenness come together and make whole. You don't have to stay that way. Just meet someone else's brokenness. And then together you become whole in him. All together assemble all the more. Let us spur one another on for acts of love and good works. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your bread and I want you to break it, okay? And then I want you to find somebody. I know you're going to get a little uncomfortable. Say, I can handle it. Say, I can handle it. Don't look at your neighbor and ask them if they can handle it. You tell yourself. This is a motivational talk. Say, I can handle it. And I want you to find someone. Here's a listen. Don't do it. I want you to find someone you don't know. Someone you don't know and exchange their broken with your broken. Don't worry. There's, I, there's no germs. I prayed over it. We, listen to me. You have healing in your hands right now. You have healing in your hands right now. If you're more worried about germs than you are the brokenness of Jesus Christ, the healing is in your hands. And your healing, listen to me, your healing might be in somebody else's hands. It's too many of us are, we're staying in isolation. We stay away. We think, oh, no, I can't bring my mess to them. I can't bring my sickness to them. Oh, no, come on, baby, I'll take you and all you got. So find somebody you don't know and make a change. You can do it with two or three people. Go ahead. Ready, set, go. Somebody you don't know. Somebody you don't know.